Thank you for joining the live broadcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship in Alameda, California. We pray that you'll be blessed by the worship and the preaching of God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about our service times and location, feel free to call us at 510-697-8220 or go to our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. Book of Romans chapter 1. <laughs> Thank you. Book of Romans chapter 1. We're going to go down to verse number 31. Say amen when you got it. Amen. All right. Book of Romans 1 and 31 says, Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, in, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And I want to preach to you uh, out of a very uh, three words, out of a very short phrase that the Apostle Paul uses here in this chapter, without natural affection. Can we say that together? Without natural affection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the power of your word. God, I'm asking you that you would speak to us this uh, morning. And I pray, God, that your word would go forth with anointing and with power. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would use us today, God, to minister your word, to reach out with your word, to heal with the word. God, we believe you for great things this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Without natural affection. On August 7th, 1974, a man by the name of Philip Petit performed an unauthorized high wire walk across the Twin Towers in New York City. For 45 minutes, he walked the Twin Towers, 1,350 feet suspended in air. The idea of walking across the Twin Towers began one day while he was sitting in a dentist's office and he saw a Time Magazine article that explained how they were building the towers. He thought to himself, it would be a great idea if one day I could extend a wire across these two buildings and walk across them. The only trouble was he had never done tightrope walking in his whole life. But he decided that he would do this. And so he began to practice in his backyard by tying a rope between two poles and learning how to walk just a few feet suspended uh, in air. He continued doing this until he got better and better. And then finally came the day where he was now walking uh, across ropes with great skill and great accuracy. He finally made a great big plan to sneak his way into the Twin Towers and onto the top floor uh, with him and several friends. He actually had a whole entourage of people that were helping him do this and extend a wire between the two Twin Towers. It was a plan that at first seemed impossible, but it actually did come to pass. 
at the time, Philip had a girlfriend named uh, Annie, I believe was her name. And she told Philip as they got nearer and nearer to the date when he would actually walk across the Twin Towers. She said, everything you're doing at first I thought was a joke and I went along with it. She says, but now that I could see we're serious and this is about to happen. She says, it just strikes me that there's something very inhuman about wanting to walk 13,000 1,350 feet suspended in air. She went on to say, not only is it inhuman, she said all of this to me seems to be demonic. She didn't feel comfortable with what he was doing, but Philip went ahead and did it anyways. He uh, made his plans, he gathered up his nerve, and he began to walk across the Twin Towers on a steel rope. Uh, He did it for 45 minutes. After about 20 or 30 minutes, he got a little cocky and arrogant. Uh, He started dancing on the rope. At one point, I've even seen pictures of it. He actually laid on his back on the rope. And uh, he just, he kept getting more and more confident as he was doing it. And he started twirling around and dancing. And by this time, the police were gathering. And and, uh, it was was becoming quite an ordeal. And... uh, Uh, He said that as he was up there frolicking around and dancing, uh, he said a bird flew by. And uh, he said he and this bird made eye contact. He said, and I'll never forget this moment as long as I live. He said, I looked into that bird's eyes as it flew by. He said, and that bird looked at me. He said, and I could just tell. Uh, He said, I know birds can't talk. He said, but by the way the bird looked at me, he said, I just knew what the bird was thinking. The bird was thinking, what are you doing up here? Amen. He said, at that very moment, something hit me very powerfully. He said, and I realized just how unnatural what I was doing really was. He said, I realized at that moment that I was this arrogant little human being playing with nature playing with the way things really are in the world. He said, immediately I ran off that rope. The Apostle Paul warns believers that if they are not careful, they too will run the risk of becoming unnatural. And in particular towards children, this phrase that we just read about without natural affection is a phrase used, amen, in direct reference to the parent-child relationship. The Apostle Paul is telling us in very clear terms, amen, that believers, not sinners, but believers actually run the risk of having unnatural affections towards their children. And what he means by that is a little more complicated than it looks like on the surface. And I won't go into it all, but I do want to touch on some unnatural or the loss of natural affection towards our children. And I want you to know of a surety that he is talking to church people, because in verse 32, he says that the people who are without natural affection towards their children, he said, are people who know the judgments of God, but they continue in the same behavior. And what he is saying there is these are people, sinners don't know the judgments of God. Atheists don't know the judgments of God. The only people who know the judgments of God are church people. We are the only ones that actually know and even care about the judgments of God. But he says that if believers aren't careful, they run the risk of also being without natural affection 
towards their children. Now there are many ways of displaying natural affection towards our children. And I cannot talk about all of them today. But I want to talk about one in particular that I think is very important. It is unnatural. uh, It is unnatural for us to want a better life for our children. But without our involvement. It is unnatural for us to want a better life for our children. But without our involvement. Albeit there are exceptions to every rule. A good life is not a mistake. Can someone say amen? Amen. A good life is not a mistake. Kids don't grow up to be good adults by mistake. Kids don't grow up to have good grades by mistake. Kids don't graduate from college on mistake. Kids don't uh, become respectful, law-abiding citizens by mistake. These things are taught to them. These things are shown to them. It is unnatural, amen, to expect otherwise. Um, And and I'm going to be very frank and honest with you. Um, We live in a society that... uh, We live in a society that very much uh, would like to take um, control of our children. Uh, And I just want you guys to know, I am not bothered by our kids screaming. That does not, we love kids around here. My kids scream, so we're doing good. Don't nobody get nervous on me. Hallelujah. But uh, I do want you to know that it is, it is, our society is more than willing to take children, our children off our hands. Um, uh, That is not what we want to do here. And I understand, like, uh, there, our, our kids have to go to school. Uh, not every kid is going to have be homeschooled in their living room. Children do go to school. Uh, our children, uh, there are times we have to release them into situations where we may not be the, the direct and uh, 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 educator in that situation. But by and large, we should try to fill the role of the key and major influence in their life, not the babysitter. I'll even go one step further. Uh, man, I love my in-laws. But, but uh, the biggest influence in my daughter's life should not be her grandma, should not be her grandpa. It should be me. I love my mom, but I'm not going to let my mom raise my kids. Hallelujah. They're my kids. Hallelujah. My mom raised me. Hallelujah. And I don't think she raised me so she could raise my kids. Hallelujah. She raised me so that one day I would raise my kids. Can you say amen? So I want to talk to you very quickly about being involved in our kids' lives. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When we have children, it is our duty and responsibility to train them in the way that they should go. I want you to stop and look at this verse very carefully. A lot of people have said, well, this verse is referring to church life. Um, if you if you raise your kids in church uh, and you teach them the ways of God, uh, they'll never they'll never leave church. Well, that's not true right. because uh, I've seen that happen time and time again. That is not what this verse is talking about. What this verse is talking about is detecting your child's strengths and then helping them to walk or to um, cultivate those strengths. So, for example, um, I I I. Before I came to church, I, I was an artist. I, I went to school. I, I like to draw. I like to paint. But I can remember learning how to draw and how to paint. I learned how to do that. I wasn't a natural artist. My daughter, however, is a natural artist. She's like very good at drawing. Uh, nobody has shown her how to do that. She's just, she's just very good at it. Um, 
it's my job to take notice of that. And it's my job to encourage her to cultivate that. It's my job to know her strengths. My other daughter, just she is nothing like my first daughter. Uh, She will rip paper, eat it, uh, cut it, uh, just stick it in things. Like She's just not interested in coloring. Um, But she has other talents. She has other abilities. She's she's very physical. Uh, She wants to jump on things, fall off things, run into things. She just, she's just eat. She likes to eat. Uh, and it's my job to see, to know her strengths and to encourage her. You know, it's not, it's not only to your parent yourself that, uh, that you can realize what your mom and dad are doing to you as you're, you're growing into adulthood and all of a sudden you take some job and your, your mom's telling you every week, son, you could do so much better than that. And, and a lot of times we think that what your mom is doing is, is attacking you or, or making fun of you. But in reality, your mom just knows that you've never been good at that. Don't do that. Um, uh, parents know their kids, you know. Uh, uh, parents know if, if their child's a mathematician or not. Uh, parents know uh, if their child is a scientist or not. You just know. And, and we, ought to, we ought to take note of these things. And we ought to encourage our children, uh, amen, to go and, 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 and pursue their strengths. Um, and not only pursue their strengths, but to pursue their strengths in a godly way. In a godly way, with God at the center. If they're going to be uh, mathematicians, uh, amen, they, they're, they're going to put God in the center of everything they do. Amen. Whatever they are, uh, right. lawyers, scientists, right. uh, tax accountants, artists, whatever they do in their life, we, um, it has to be with God at the center of it. Um, the one thing that is good for everybody, it doesn't matter what their talent or what their ability is, it's to have God at the center of their lives. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, 25 times in the book of Proverbs, there is a reference either to the need to hear instruction or the danger of hating instruction. Several of those verses, amen, are written as though they were a conversation between a man and his children. The writer understood, I'm not only your parent, I am your first and your final teacher. Amen. Our children, we will teach our children, we will instruct our children before they go to school and long after they've graduated from college. We never stop being our children's instructor. We never stop being our children's teacher. Uh, God forbid... And, uh, and I don't want, I, I hope nobody feels uncomfortable with this, but God forbid, God forbid that the first time our kid learns a letter, a color, or anything, it's at school. Hallelujah. We should, we should be teaching them these things at home. Amen. I want to be a part of my child's education. Uh, I want to be a part of my child's upbringing. Uh, God forbid, I want to teach my child at home. Amen. How to stand in line. Hallelujah. How to be patient. How to say thank you. How to say please. And guess what? I'm old enough now and so are all of us uh, that we know that you, you could... Uh, you could be 34 and you're still calling your mom, amen, for her enchilada recipe. Praise God. And uh, that's all right. That's the way life is supposed to be. Yeah. We're, supposed to, we're supposed to learn from mom and dad when we're little. We're supposed to learn from mom and dad when we're teenagers. We're supposed to learn from mom and dad when we're adults. And even learn from mom and dad after they've gone. Wow. Hallelujah. There's, there's, there's lessons that mom and dad teach us 
and I, I, I hope this doesn't sound morbid, but there are, there are lessons that mom and dad teach us from the grave. When we've buried our parents and they've passed on, we will really see them for who they are. Not, and I'm not just talking about bad things here. You know, we use that phrase today to describe seeing somebody in a negative light. We will see just how good our parents really were. Uh, we'll be able to write off all their imperfections and say, man, I just hope in my lifetime, amen, I can accomplish this or I can accomplish that. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It is our job to instruct our children. It is unnatural to expect anything different. Um, we do not want to lose natural affection. We should naturally want to be at the very center. God bless you. Come on in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is unnatural to expect anybody else, amen, to do this. Um, one of the other things that I believe is, uh, is unnatural Amen. It's for us to not respond to our children. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is speaking in reference uh, to several uh, complicated dynamics. But as Jesus always did so wonderfully, he begins with a parable. And in this parable, Jesus says that uh, uh, he compares himself and John the Baptist to children playing instruments in a market. And he says... Uh, he speaks of himself and John the Baptist and he says we've played our pipes we've sang our songs and we've even mourned he said but you've not sang with us you've not danced with us you've not wept with us um, what, what does this parable mean uh, on one level uh, it has very significant prophetic analogies but on a more common and simple level Jesus here is saying how is it that you adults you grown men uh, you, you see children crying. You see children uh, dancing and weeping, rejoicing. And it doesn't affect you. You're unmoved by it. The, the unique part about this parable is that Jesus says that this takes place in the marketplace. Everyone say marketplace. marketplace. He says that this takes place in the marketplace. He says we're like children in the marketplace. We pipe, we sing, we dance, we cry, and you don't even care. There... It's really easy to get caught up in the marketplace. All right. It's really easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life, of buying, of selling, true. of trading. In fact, Jesus tells us that in the last days, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. He said they bought, they sold, they drank, they were married, they were given in marriage. There's nothing wrong with those things, except if that's all we do. If there's no God at the center of your marriage, if there's no God at the center of you buying a home, if there's no God at the center of your, if there's no prayer before your meals, hallelujah, yeah, then that stuff is going to have complications to it. There has to be God involved. But Jesus here says, we're like the children at the marketplace. We've, we've sang, we've danced, we've wept, and you've not been moved. I'm worried today because um, how natural it is for any of us to get so caught up in our jobs, to get so caught up in what we do, and our children's tears don't bother us. Our children's joys don't bother us. Amen. If our children are genuinely happy, uh, the other day I caught myself, and she's here, so I, I, but I don't mind saying this in front of my daughter. Uh, the other day she was like, man, she was like, she shouted from the other room. She's like, I tied my shoe. And uh, I, was, I was doing something, and I, I just, I, I, I deliberately pushed myself. I was like, yes, you know, this is awesome, you know. And, uh, and I, was, I was a few rooms away, but I shouted all the way across the house. Yes, you know, like, and because it was a joy to her. Yeah. And I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm not excited 
because they're excited. Yeah. I don't ever want to get to the point where their emotions don't make me emotional. I don't ever want to get to the point uh, to where my daughter may express, amen, lament or sadness about a particular situation. Um, I don't know why. To me, it's very funny. And she's here, so I hope I'm not embarrassing her. But like right now, she does not like us to go into stores right before they close. Uh, and uh, she, she'll ask us. She'll be like, are we going to get stuck in here? Like, we, we can't. Like, it, you know, and, and it bothers her. And right now, she's got to think for cameras. She wants to know why there's cameras in the store. And, uh, uh, but this is okay. But it, it's, it's so easy. Uh, you know, as we all do, we, you know, these things are, it's, it's cute to hear kids do these things. Right. But if it concerns them, I want it to concern me Amen. to some degree. Yeah. I, want, I want to know why that worries her. I want to know what it is that's driving that fear. Right. And I want to try to console her. Sure. I want to try to assure her that there is order in the world. And that mom and dad uh, are listening. And that mom and dad are affected. And I'm no different than anybody else. It's easy to get caught up in the, in the ruckus and in the movement of life. And then all of a sudden just feel like, man, I... I don't have time for this. There's got to be time for this. Can you say amen? Amen. There's, there has to be time for this. Let's pray right now. I just uh, Before we go any further, I just want us to pray for a few seconds. Jesus, I'm asking you, hallelujah, that you would help us, God. Hallelujah, to be more affectionate, God. Hallelujah, towards our children. God, I'm asking you that you would help us, oh God, to cultivate, Lord. Hallelujah, a strong relationship with our children. To be in tune, God, with their emotions. To be in tune with their thoughts, their fears, their worries. To be in tune with their talents, God. To be in tune, God, with everything that they're feeling. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. The Apostle Paul, as we all know, he he traveled on several missionary journeys in his lifetime uh, throughout the Mediterranean. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul saw that to him was really an atrocity. And it would probably be an atrocity to any of us here today. Um, He ran into cultures that didn't care about kids. Um, The Athenians, the Greeks, the Persians, a lot of these people. um, I just I read the other day as I've I've been researching all this month about, uh, you know, how children have been treated throughout history. Um, uh, The Persians, if if children weren't uh, strong enough, beautiful enough, they would stick them in clay jars and just leave them out in the middle of the desert. Uh, the Athenians and the Romans, uh, and we're talking about people even as sophisticated as Aristotle and Plato, great philosophers. They, they, they not only thought it was, it was necessary to get rid of less than beautiful children, they thought it was prudent. They thought it was, uh, they thought it was a good thing. Uh, on, on, um, on, on Thursday night, we talked about what is a person and how important all children are, regardless of their physical capacities, their looks, whatever. And I had somebody approach me yesterday and they said, you know, I was listening to your, to your, to the Thursday night uh, message. And he said, you know, something struck me really weird. He said, we've gotten to the point in American culture when, you know, when, when, when we're about to have children, if our wives are pregnant or whatever, he said, and people ask us, you know, are you nervous about having a kid? And they'll say, you know, as long as they're healthy, we say that. As long as the kids are healthy, that's all we care about. And he said, I thought to myself for the first time, well, what if they're not healthy? What if they're not healthy? Is that really all we care about? Do we just love kids when they're healthy? Because as we all know, 
a kid can be born with deformities. A kid, but do we still love them then? Do we still care for, or is, or do we just want perfect babies now? Do we just want children that are born perfect without any kind of challenges? I, I don't think I don't think that's God's plan. I don't think God says, "Man, this kid, he's the right height. You know, he's he's the right measurements. He's the right skin color. He's the right." I I got news for you. God loves babies without hands and thumbs, and God God loves babies with learning disabilities. And and you know what? We ought to too. Hallelujah. Uh, we ought to love all children. Uh, we we don't just discard children. The Apostle Paul traveled throughout the ancient world. We really take it for granted. I'm telling you, we take it for granted. Amen. How powerful the impact of Christianity has been in the United States of America. Even though I would not consider America today the most Christian country, there are still, I heard a very famous atheist the other day, he said, I do not believe in God. I think Christians are crazy. He said, but I would not want to live in a country that's not Christian. Because only here, only here, do you know that, you know who leads the world in adoptions? The United States of America. Uh, uh, A.T.'s friend and, and ours, of course, well, the Roaches, they, they could fill up these two pews right here with just adopted children. You know what I mean? There, people are not doing that all over the world. People are not doing that all over the world. Uh, how many times have you seen there's a natural disaster somewhere across the world? Who rushes to the aid of all the hungry kids over there? Is it, is it China? No. Is it the Arab Emirates? No. Is it, you know, uh, Mongolia? No. No. It's the United States. We're for, if, you, if you were to send out a news report right now, newsflash, we need, you know, five million pairs of kid socks. Man, we'd fill up barrels of kid socks. We'd ship them to wherever. We can do that around here. We have those... But that, that, that's not how we always have been. That is thanks to Christianity. That is thanks to the concept of children are people made in the image of God. They ought to be respected, treated with dignity, loved, uh, nurtured. Do you know um, the Bible is the first document in history, in antiquity, that even acknowledged childhood as a stage of life? Most people did not acknowledge child. You know, most people thought that kids were little adults. They were like shrunk adults uh, that just needed to be stretched out. And, and, and because they thought of children that way, children were often abused, made to work long hours. Uh, you can even still see some fragments of that even in America. Uh, the reason we even have summer break is because kids used to have to go work on the farm with their parents. You know, and it would take three months to harvest all this stuff. Before, children were just like another employee. And, uh, um, but the Bible changes all that. The Bible, um, the way orphanages got started was because the Romans and the Greeks used to leave their children in the Colosseums. This is true. I know, this is going to sound gruesome. But the Romans and the Greeks used to leave children in the Colosseums and let animals eat them. If they felt the children was inferior. But what happened? All the Christians... All the Christians would go and pick the kids up every night and bring them to their homes. And, bring, and, and the Christians thought, there's no way. There's no way. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He said, he looked at the world. He said, the world is full of unnatural affection. It is without natural affection. He said, and if the church is not careful because it lives in the world... It can become infected right. by the world. Yeah. It can become affected by the world. Right. He says we cannot do that. Right. And I came to talk to you this morning and we're wrapping it up right here. We've got to fight that. Yeah. Uh, for us, 
The challenges are going to be much minor than they are out there. Trust me. I, I've, I've heard stories about stuff that's done to kids. Make the, the hair on your neck curl. But I am telling you right now, that's, that's the world. But I don't even want to get to the point, amen, where I'm not even moved by my own child. Where I'm not excited about my child. Amen. Where I'm not involved in my child's life. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to let daycare. I'm not going to let the school system. Amen. I'm not going to let anybody be the major influencer in my life. Not grandma, not grandpa. Right. Me. Me and my wife. That is our job. That is our duty. That is our child. That is our privilege. Everyone say privilege. privilege. That is our privilege. That is our responsibility. Responsibility. Amen. And that is our joy. Amen. Amen. That is our joy. Uh, amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Jesse, you doing the ultra Hallelujah. I know we all have our kids running around. Let's gather our kids. We're going to pray today together as families. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, we're, almost, we're almost done here, but I want us to all pray together. Just... Gather with your family. Hallelujah. Come on in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to pray that God would help us. And uh, help us more than anything to take great joy and pleasure. Hallelujah. And being parents. Hallelujah. And being a family. And I'm going to pray that God help us to love our children. Amen. With a healthy, strong, vibrant love. Amen. If... If you feel to, just lift your hands right now. Hallelujah. Let's all pray. Jesus, hallelujah. We thank you for these children that you've given us. And God, I'm asking you today, God, that you would move on us. That you would bless us. God, I pray in your precious name, Lord. Hallelujah. That you would give us great joy and pleasure in loving our children, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be the main educators, instructors, and influence in our children's lives. As fathers, as mothers, let there be nothing more important in our life than our children. God, as mothers and fathers, help there to be nothing more important in our life than our spouses. God, I pray against every demonic force that's trying to break up our homes, that's trying to divide our families. And God, we pray for love, for peace, for grace, and for strength in our homes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Everyone say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Jesse, if you can sing a song for us. Thank God.